Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. We hope you've noticed we've been burying YouTube in content. Apparently, we got bored between TV seasons, and it (laughs) was time for lots of YouTube stuff. We actually had our first episode of Season 9, the Beaver and Horse episode, is now up on YouTube. I keep laughing because that that was the obvious title for that. It's the the BMW M4 with the questionable beaver teeth versus the current Mustang Mach 1. This is actually Paul's really great idea because he happened to look at the stats one day, not talking about TV, and went... These are almost identical. They're super close. Well, I also looked at that roof line yeah. and just thought, that looks like a Mustang. BMW, they built a the design, let's put those together. The designer and you latched onto yeah. it and you first brought it up yeah. to me and I was kind of like, what we're going to do what now? And then you started, <laughs> we're going to, what's all this then? But you started to tell me what we we're going to do on it. And I was like, that's, that's amazing how close they are. So that's I'm on YouTube right now. That's the first uh, episode of season nine. We're still working through a, a weird, a weird authoring problem to solve for it to all be on Amazon. But we do have stuff coming out on, uh, on YouTube, which is cool. We have the first big this is how we bought them videos coming for your 928, my 300ZX. That's a couple weeks away. Yeah, that's we got, coming I as can't well. wait to publish some photos, the good photos it's, of those cars. It's going to be great stuff. Yeah. But also keep in mind, we've done a Pathfinder and a Ridgeline on the Test Drive channel. We did a Tundra on the main channel. There's been a lot of stuff in the past week. We hope you've seen it all. Guys, we've had a sponsor approach us who does great things in an unspoken area. Manscaped is the leader in men's grooming, and they've just released the Lawnmower 4.0. The Lawnmower is a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer. And if you get their starter kit, you also get the even better Weed Whacker. Why is it even better? Because you've probably noticed you've reached that place in your life where there's hair where you just don't want it. Eyebrows take on a life of their own, and your ears grow better hair than your head. This is a real concern, genuinely, because we're on camera every single week, and the Weed Whacker is awesome. And the Lawnmower? Well, you can landscape your yard, if you know what I mean. Manscaped engineered the ultimate body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. It also allows for various trim lengths and now even features wireless charging. You can choose the best tools for the job individually, but Manscaped also has sets that are well-curated to get what you need. They sent us a couple of sets to try out, and I can say as a designer, their products are very well thought out and feel high quality. As part of the Performance Package 4.0 and the Perfect Package 4.0, Manscaped boxers are included too. Underwear specifically engineered to reduce the risk of chafing. Manscaped boxers feature microfiber blend design to keep high friction areas cool. Use the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code EVERYDAY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code EVERYDAY. Unlock your confidence with the new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped couple of great car debates coming at you. First from Bo in Sedona, Arizona, who is at the Midlife Crisis Crossroads. We're going to need to unpack that a bit, yeah. We do. And then we've got Michael W. in North Carolina, who just needs to jump into something. And you'll notice with these two debates, they are dramatically different in mm-hmm. their budgets. Mm-hmm, for sure. But we hope to solve both of them. We're going to be talking about two different ranges of budgets. I mean, Completely. one at the very high end and one at the very low end. But yep. I thought it was kind of interesting to you know, flex our car choice muscles here for sure and the, both of these guys are at a similar kind of life crossroads with different budgets and so exactly. it's very exciting. they're the exact same age too did I you notice that? that i did i did see that you're, you're paying it, it attention. all comes together yes it does well bo writes to us from sedona arizona and he says he's been become a big fan of our work thank you bo really appreciate it yeah glad to have you with us he's also a patron now and he's on the discord and he's loving the discord yeah that's all cool of a sudden he's popped up on the discord this week and i've noticed he's everywhere which is really cool that's awesome well bo is 41 now he is in proper midlife crisis mode He currently owns a 2016 Chevy Corvette Z06 with the manual. Mm, Excellent. All right. With a a few performance mods he did specifically to track the car. He does not name those mods. Mm -hmm. It's fast. Let's face it. (laughs) But here's the thing. He does two to four track days a year. Now, I want to clarify this. That feels to me like average number of track days for somebody that says I go to the track. Okay. We know people that do 8, 10, 12. I go three times a month. We know people like that. Mm -hmm. But two to four a year feels like you get a decent amount of track time. But let's be honest, that car is mostly driven everywhere but the track. 
I suppose so, but he does say, while it's phenomenal and incredibly quick in both straights and curves, it has quality of life drawbacks, Mm. which has him looking to move on to something else. And so to round out the stable, he's got a 2019 Lexus GSF for the Mocha Latte Runs. <clears throat> You've watched our show at least once. Excellent. Good. He, I guess, does road trip duty in it, too. But he also has a 2012 Honda Cross Tour V6, along with an apology to me because they sit in and apparently argue in the Ikea parking lot. Well, you never know what's going to fit in there. And also, sometimes the good parking at Ikea is worth arguing about. That's true. It happens. You can have some meatballs and some other food while you're You don't arguing. go there for food, but you, but you can get lost in there, which is why they have a restaurant. Bo, You've been wandering I- around for days. Somebody's <laughs> yes. got to feed you. Bo, may I suggest room and board furniture? They actually deliver it so you don't have to sit in your cross tour and argue. And that way you can sell the cross tour. It's excellent (laughs) furniture. It's actually real furniture. And it's not that much more. It's good stuff. Bumped into the rant again, folks. Room and board. Yep. Now, Bo's daily stuff is covered. Since he's older, well, it's all in a state of mind, isn't Mm -hmm. it? He's looking for something with a bit more refinement and better customer experience. The catch is that he doesn't want to sacrifice performance for his toy car. Okay. Due to a bit of horsepower addiction, he can't seem to get excited about cars that won't throw him against the seat during throttle application (laughs) and tear his face off while braking and turning. Okay. All right. He could be okay with a car that has a slightly lower straight line speed or a slightly longer Nurburger King ring. Nurburger King ring. That's that's his creation bow, and I think that that made me laugh for sure. Bravo. (laughs) He says, as long as that refinement and driver appeal is still there, think 11 second quarter miles as the baseline. Okay. All right. He is looking to spend between $120,000 and $130,000 after Whoa. selling the Z06. Okay. All right. Preferably closer to one twenty. So there's a lot of options. Yes, mm-hmm. there are. But this is the meat of the dilemma, he says. He's quickly running into the big brick wall of analysis paralysis. I can see that for sure. Because once you get into that space, two things are going on. First off, you've got a lot of great, really good, fast, powerful, luxurious sports car options. And you're also spending a lot of money, which makes you think and rethink and Mm re-rethink your choice. Yeah, for sure. He says, based on this money and the numbers in front of him, he looked at 991.1 Porsche 911 turbos, turbo S's, 991s and 997 generation GT3s. Okay, excellent. Very cool. He says that's, you know, right in that price range. He's also looking at 981 Cayman GT4. So that's the GT4 flavor of my car. Mm -hmm. Yep. Since he wants to check it out, he's, he says, though, there's very little opportunity for him to drive them properly. And, and that's just it. With any high-performance car at this level, unless you have a friend who owns one so, or unless sure. you can yeah. afford to rent one, there's no way to really know what that feels like at a mm. high level. He says he could also get a 991.2 Carrera S, get it tuned for similar numbers to a turbo. No, it is a turbo. But nevertheless, <laughs> it's a bit separate thing, yes. <laughs> The turbo is... A turbo. They're all turbos. They're all turbos. Even the electric car is a turbo. Yes. I'm going to come back to that later in the podcast for other reasons, but yes. (laughs) He misses having a manual. He misses having a manual. But the PDK, he says, is an amazing transmission. You're absolutely right. He's said it's really sold itself in fast and slow changing traffic. Mm -hmm. The 911s and Caymans pass the wife test. Okay. What is the wife test? Well, the truth is she likes it. And he's spending enough money that she's like, what What are you buying? And then she goes, oh, I like those. Mm, that's okay. where that, that's what that wife test is. By the All way, right. hello to your wife, because I'm sure she just heard me say that. So there I am I'm mimicking sure. her. He says, but there's so many options and combinations and different flavors in the Porsche world. He's sort of lost. I understand, Bo. He test drove a 2014 Turbo and loved it. Well, Yeah. But he also tested over 2017 718 Cayman. He said it had a horrible engine sound. I'll debate you endlessly on that, but he yes. says otherwise pretty good. Doesn't stop there. In that price range, he names an Audi R8 V10. Mm. He names a 2017 Acura NSX, a Mercedes AMG GT. These are all great. Lotus Evora 400 or an Evora GT. He mm-hmm. says that would be possible, but harder to convince the better half. And he says he could also just keep the Z06, mm-hmm. save his money, mm-hmm. deal with any lingering issues, improve the car, and continue to track it. He could, for sure. It's, it's a great track car, and you've already enjoyed it. But he does then clarify. He says, look, let me clarify what this car is for. This is a fun car, and he describes it as 30, 50, 20. So 30% just, just driving it around, just doing stuff. Oh, look, I'll go, I'll go to the grocery store when I'm in this car. That's fine. 50% drives on mountain roads that he loves and maybe 20% of that is track time. So track time is the least, but it needs to be track capable. And he says he, he has to do it only when he's ready to really just go through brakes and tires because that's really monster consumption. He also says that he used to have a first-gen 
Acura NSX, and mm. he loved it, and mm. he really yeah. misses the mid-engine feel. So the 911, here's what's weird. The 911s barely work here because at least the engine's behind him. But what <laughs> right. he wants is right. that feel of an engine behind him. So things like the AMG GT really are on the bubble right away because obviously that's not what that is. He really wishes he had something with the engine behind him now. So that started to kind of leak into his thoughts as well. I definitely understand that. And you do want the manual because I'm sure everybody's thinking C8 Corvette. It's just not the manual that you love, but sure. it could be great yeah. on track. It, it keeps and you in the yeah. Corvette world. And it you, doesn't spend your you almost wouldn't spend that money. anywhere close to his whole budget. You're right. Yeah. yeah. But he says what he wants a car, is a car that is about as fast in straights and turns as his current C7 is designed for enthusiastic drivers, doesn't cost more than 130 grand, has a good transmission, refined driving experience when you're not thrashing it, and most importantly, the engine behind him. Mm-hmm. I might break one of those rules. Okay, good. As an aside, he doesn't understand why more car makers don't integrate heads-up displays into their fast car lineups sooner than very recently. Well, sure, it's just... You know, choice, technology available. Tech, yeah, stuff to, to mount in there for sure. Yep. So what do we think? He's been thinking about this for three days and nights straight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, as of when he wrote us this email, which was a while back too. So so Bo hasn't slept much. So Bo, I hope you have slept <laughs> recently and we should talk this through. I, I do like your C8 idea. That is interesting, Paul. And it, I think... It's wh- not as much power as his Z06, his C7. It does get the engine behind him, mm-hmm. but it's not a manual. There's trade-offs. In almost anything we suggest, For I sure. think there's going to be some trade-offs. And he's okay. I get the sense also that he's okay with a really good auto, which has got to still be an engaging car. I, it makes me wonder, what's the Z06 going to cost? Mm-hmm. That's all. That feels like that's this budget, is the Z06. But granted, when the Z06 is actually going to be available. If he's not sleeping now, Bo could be a year away from a C8 Z06. That might not work. Sure. And Bo, nothing is going to pin you quite like that Z06. Almost nothing. Mm, his C7 is going to be a monster to, to match it for sure. It is so yeah. quick, so fast on mm-hmm. straightaways. But the fastest cars on track aren't the ones that blow you away on the straights. They're the ones that hold their speed and get even faster through corners. Yeah, yeah. The light cars. Mm. That's why we always say Miatas are always the fastest car on track. They'll pass you in the corners. They'll keep going, come around behind you, lap you, and then chew on your butt again. Like, remember me? I just <laughs> yeah, lapped you. I'm here again. In a low-power car. Hello. That yeah. Z06 is excellent at what it does, but it's very heavy. And I, I'm sure it corners like a monster. Oh, yeah, for sure it does. Of course it does. But I'm just I'm wondering. You want me to say GTSs and GT3s and GT4s, and I'm all about that. GTS, for what you're describing, to me is the sweet spot. Mm, interesting. GT3s and GT4s are, if you did more track days, mm, they're track focused. Yeah, they are, sure. But a GTS is such the right flavor. Every Porsche, every Porsche built, in my opinion, is just mm. the GTS flavor because they do so many things so well. That's what I continue to discover about my Cayman is just, yeah, you can take it to the track. It's excellent. Yeah, I fell yeah. in love with it again. And then for the most of the driving, like you said, you're just 50% mountain canyon driving, that sure. kind of thing. They're so good at that. But I think a car that feels alive and energetic, like the Porsches, not just fast. I'm not focusing just on mm-hmm. speed for you. Something There's an experience here for sure. Is alive. Yeah. And so I, I would love to suggest at least look at them. The BMW M2 CS. Oh, okay. They're 90 grand. Yep. Yep. Every bit of that. First of all, you're saving money. Second of all, it looks like a normal car to your wife. I love when 90 grand is saving money. Sorry. I have a separate moment well, there. Yeah, it's you're the right. guy you're equivalent right. of, right. honey, I saved us money today. Yeah, but how much did you spend? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, 90 grand. I saved us $300 today. Uh-huh. But if you look at the M2CS or the M2CS racing, I looked it up. <clears throat> Sedona is a five-hour and 33-minute drive Uh from the Thermal Club in Thermal, California, where the Mm. BMW Performance Driving School is. Oh, look at that. Okay. That's a weekend, Bo. Uh That's an easy weekend drive. Get out there. You start getting better at driving. You start, maybe you go through that M4 GTS program they've Mm. got Mm. and drive their actual race car. Sure, yeah. And you get some incredible driver training, and you start to get to know that track a little bit. Like I said, that's an easy weekend for you, Mm. out and back. And then if you consider that M2CS, you could leave it there. You could, I'm not saying you can join the club necessarily, but, you know, I I look at that car and just think, this thing is just built for track thrashing. Mm -hmm. But it's still such a normal car. Now, the engine isn't behind you, obviously. 
But I'm wondering, because I, I would love it if you got into the Porsche world, but the Porsches, there's some that are as quick as that vet, but every, almost every single one of them is slower in a straight line. Mm. And that's okay. That's sure. not what they're Absolutely. built to yeah, do. For sure. For Everybody sure. looks at my car and thinks, oh, that's so quick. It's okay. It's fast, but it's not going to blow anybody's mind. It really so, isn't. Same thing with the Lotus, but even more extreme. But we're, oh, wow, that's got to be a fast car. Not, not really. I mean, once it gets wound out, like, sure, then it's fast. Yeah. It holds its speed, and then it really comes alive. Yeah, yeah. But that Z06 is just a monster off mm-hmm. of the line, off of everything. So I want you to start shifting your headspace maybe a little bit into a car that still is fast, but it's not just explosively quick off the line. It holds its speed. It's a little bit lighter. And that M2CS is just so good. It's so engaging. I, mm. I found it excellent. As part of season nine, we drove that against the Lotus Evora GT. Yep. Well, I fell in love with that car too. Mm-hmm. It's a different driving experience mm-hmm. and it, you've named it already, which I love. So those two cars are definitely high on the list for you to consider, along okay. with anything GTS. GTS to me, again, you could do the, the uh, track camber alignment on a GTS. You could mm-hmm. do little things. But for the most part, they're pretty much ready to go. And I'd rather you get better and get really good as a driver and extract more out of your car rather than buying something with such high horsepower mm. that, oh, my gosh, you know, you're kind of tiptoeing through corners a little bit. I'm not saying you do. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming sure, you're already sure. at a high level. If you're tracking this thing, I'm assuming you're already at a high level. But every one of us can always learn more. Mm-hmm. But my wild cards for you come from a story. A friend of the show here in town, he bought a Spec Racer 4 Generation 3. Oh, yeah. For about $30,000. Yeah. Now, he's put some money into it, some maintenance and upkeep, but the main cost for right now is going through tires. He's mm-hmm. rocketing through <laughs> Hoosier race tires. Those people we, I was talking about that track multiple times a month, this is this person, yes. He's got an SRF, and he bought it not to compete in the Spec Racer Ford series, but just to have as his track car only. And keeps he's encouraging us to, because we did the Spec Racer Ford School, he keeps kind of leaning on us for when are we going to buy one, because he wants somebody to, to playfully race against. Yeah. Yeah, we're supposed to do that. The, the thought has crossed my mind. We're, we're listening, Greg. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're 30K, about 30K. Mm-hmm. For, for a know, good one, yeah. For, for a good for, one? For the latest gen, you can get older gens for cheaper than sure, that. you certainly yeah. could. And then your costs certainly go into maintenance and upkeep mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. track tires and all that stuff, but... Far less. Now, it's a dedicated car. You're not jumping in that to go do any mountain canyons. No, not or, at all. You know, cruising like that. There's, that's a consideration. Uh, some other friends of ours also found a Cayman with a TPC turbo kit. It was a 987 Cayman S mm. that's built with a wing, different shifter. It's phenomenal. It's track worthy. They found mm. it for forty grand mm. on P-Car Market. Mm. But it's a bit of a one-off, but you might be able to find something that's already built like that. That is a more dedicated track car. It's a little bit more of a, you know, more substantial kind of car. It's not an SRF. Those SRFs are tiny, but they're so much fun. They're so great. Yeah. But if you're getting into tracking more, that's, that could be a consideration. And then finally, my last wild card for you is Janetta USA. Oh, look at you. Dedicated track car there. That's an entirely different program, but Far less to get into the car. There's 60, 62,000, somewhere in there to get into the car, and then your racing costs after that. But I guess I, I don't want you to just go nuts with a GT3 RS, and suddenly yeah, you've spent yeah, 150 yeah. grand, and now you're tracking this thing and buying tires, 21-inch rear tires. Ooh, yikes. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to be quite as on it as I could in a cheaper car, that, that comfort level, mm-hmm. because it's your fast, expensive car. I love them. I want one. Of course I do. But I'm <laughs> yeah. almost kind of gravitating towards like an SRF, the Spec mm, Racer 4 thing. Get okay. for 30 grand. Go get good. Take it everywhere. Track the daylights out of it. Cost you less. This is cool, Bo. I've got some unpacking to do in the Porsche lineup real quick. <laughs> because, of course, I'm not the Porsche fiend of the two of us. But I'm going to say something that some people will find controversial. And that is, do not get a 911. Mm. That 911 is not interesting enough for what you want. And I, I look, I know, look, I've seen the GT3 dispensers in Germany. We've driven GT3s. They are brilliant. Yeah, We've yeah. driven the RS models. They are fantastic. But what you're looking for, the real thing that stuck out to me when I read your email is you had a first-gen NSX. Mm-hmm. And you still look back on that car fondly. You look at it kind of as the car that got away. Are you telling him to go get another one? I'm not. I'm not because that's not going to meet your power requirement. Yes, for sure. But there's that's not going to meet your power requirement. Right. Okay. Right. But that tells me that, that there's a delicacy that you like and there's a mid-engine rotation that you like. Neither of those are true about a modern 911. The modern 911 is brilliant, yeah. but I would not yeah. describe the handling as delicate or light. And I would not describe the rotation as a mid-engine. It's neither. 
It has its own flavor, and it's brilliant, but not a 911. What's right for you is the Cayman if you want something in the Porsche lineup. Sure. And I will say for this sure. to you. You like the 718, but you didn't like the four-cylinder. Hello, with your money, you can either get the current 718 GTS with the 4.0 flat six, Mm. or if you decide you want to be more hardcore than that, you actually, for your budget, could get a Cayman GT4, the current 718 Cayman GT4. Totally. So if you're shopping Porsche lineup, those are your cars. Get yourself the six-cylinder version of the current Cayman. Be very happy. I think you could daily a GT4 and be perfectly happy, but that may be a little bit too far toward leaning tracks. If so, sure. go dial it back to sure. GP, GTS, like Paul said. You'll be very happy there. You need to drive the Lotus Evora GT. It needs to be top of your list. It's spectacular. Because if you're looking yeah. for mid-engine, you like what that, that uh, NSX did, but the NSX wouldn't be powerful enough now. The new NSX, by the way, isn't as good as you want it to be. I hate to say that. Mm-hmm. I've had that car on track it's brilliant. The technology is wonderful. It's very cool. It's underappreciated, but it understeers, and it's not as engaging as it should be. Mm. Now, a lot of mid-engine cars, this is the, the secret thing, a lot of mid-engine cars will understeer. That is kind <laughs> of their natural, any, uh, that's kind of their natural setup understeer. because yeah. they're trying to protect the occupants, let's be honest. Right. So, but, the, but I just found that the NSX pushed a bit more on track than I wanted it to in relation to some other mid-engine cars. Still very fun. Anything below a track situation, I don't even think you'd notice, but that's a much bigger, heavier car than the NSX you had. That Avora GT is as close as I can think of in modern cars to what you liked about your old NSX with the power and modernity, if you will, of the C7 that you have. Sure. I think it's a blending of those worlds. I think that needs to be top of your list. I have two, no, sorry, three wild cards for you. The R8 is interesting. That V10 is fascinating. Only if you can get it with a manual. With the auto, it's not I engaging so. enough. No, I just don't know that the entire car is engaging enough as See, some of that, these other choices. That's, that's my issue. Is I think it's I think it's a bit sterile compared to some of these other choices. So that's why I say only interesting if you really like that V10 and you can get it in a manual. That's going to be a hard thing to find. Should you wait? I hate to have you wait, Bo, but should you wait and put a deposit down and get yourself a Lotus Emira? Scrumptious, that's a gorgeous choice. Fine version of the Lotus Evora GT. The Evora GT is worth every dollar you can spend on it right now. I'm telling you right now. It's Plus, so good. you can get deals yeah. on those cars that are often list price for like 120. You can get them for about 100. I mean, you can get huge deals on those cars. But is the Amira worth throwing down for? I'm, I'm posting that as a question because I, I fully expect the Amira will be at least as good as the GT. I don't think it will be anything worse than the Evora GT. So if I it's think that that's level, fair assumption. Sure. Because it's built on that architecture. They're, sure. they're taking what they know already. And the Evora GT, look, the original Evora, good. The Evora 400, better. The GT, it's like, wow, you guys have refined the heck out of this. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. the Amira is moving that ball further downfield, if you will, and refining it even further. So that's exciting. And then the last car I thought of that you didn't mention at all, mid-engine, really good handling, some delicacy to the feel. Mm-hmm. What can you get in the McLaren lineup used for your money? 12Cs are down there, but some of the later are. models are down there too. It would be an early 570. I think you're right. I was actually looking the other day. I don't okay. know why. Because well, we do that. That's exactly <laughs> what we do. But the 720s are out. Even the 650s oh, no, no, are course out. Oh, no, no, of course not. But the, the 570s? But that's the thing. You maybe. can get yourself a used McLaren for Ooh. this kind of money. Ooh. That will have all of the exotic buttons fully pressed. It will feel really, really <laughs> fast sure. to drive. And, and, and the ones that we've driven, that car feels like Lotus with money. Mm-hmm. It, ca- it feels like this is what Lotus with would be building. development dollars. If they just yeah. had money to yeah. spray at the problem, they'd be making the new Esprit, and it would feel a lot like those McLarens, sure. is what I feel like. Sure. You lose your manual transmission. Not possible. But that car is really, really good. Their V8 is fascinating. That is my other wild card. It is car wash season. Always wash your car in a cool, shady spot, and always use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer or the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You can create a high-foam blizzard party right in your driveway with little to no work and avoid the wash-induced scratches. It's the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. And don't forget, Griot's also has full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and & Coat, and a 3-in-1 Wax. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all the liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com.
One other quick thing from Bo now that we're back, and that is, uh, by the way, Bo, you mentioned before that you were curious if uh, the pilgrimage is happening. We are planning for it in 2022. Yeah. Details to yep. follow. We're hoping for the fall of 2022, we were going back to Germany and uh, to Belgium. That's the ring and spa. Did you read today? Supposedly, hmm. you know the house at the top of Radion? Mm-hmm. Destroyed it. They're changing the top of that corner for more runoff. And so they've destroyed that old classic You're kidding house. Me. It's going no, to change the whole that. look of that track. But I'm very excited. Whatever they do, that corner is brilliant. I'm very excited to go back. So we're, we're looking to that early next year. Pardon me. Early next year will be when signups will happen. Like March, April will be when signups will happen. So pay attention to what we're talking about here. We are hoping for it. We're already talking to our contacts over there to figure out what dates might work. Well, like Bo, Michael W. in North Carolina is also 41 years old. He says he's a novice enthusiast who needs to jump into something. Uh Need. Need. And and jump. These are are words that scare me because you could end up (laughs) buying too quick. That's my only concern here. Yeah. He's already been hesitant to pull the trigger. He says he's got some regrets for not doing so Mm -hmm. as he sees prices continue to rise. The biggest obstacles in his search are his meager $10,000 budget. So now we're going back okay. the other way. All right, fine. He's also tall. He's six foot four, 200 pounds. So he's okay. kind of lanky. Yep. But he says, as a result, most of the cars he hoped to pursue just don't work with his height. Mm-hmm. We're, we are living in that world, yeah. my friend. Yeah. Now, he's out in North Carolina and has beautiful mountain roads that provide diverse terrain, he says. He considers their roads ideal for momentum cars, mm-hmm. featuring narrow roads, tight curves, and switchbacks. So the only role this car will serve is for the joy of driving. Love it. Fantastic. Their practical cars are already accounted for. Totally necessary, which include their family hauler, 06 Toyota 4Runner V8, okay. a 2001 Chevy Silverado work truck, and their oldest son's 2010 Corolla. Yes, you are covered in the cars to do <laughs> other things department. Let's <laughs> get something those. fun. Yeah. So therefore, he is looking for a fun manual rear-wheel drive car something that teaches him how to be a better driver and to potentially wrench on himself. Okay, all right. He leans towards simplicity in both mechanics and aesthetics and gravitates towards older makes and models. Okay, all well, right. That's good because $10,000, that'll help it, for sure. help for sure, yeah. Well, he says his first car was a 1973 Beetle, and to this day, he believes this car made him a better driver. Mm. How is that? How, how did it make a better dr- Well, uh, but because it sounds like he had to ring it out. Like, whiteboard that process out. Like, bubble chart that with a dry erase board and a marker. Like It's because there's this nothing there. This car led to this bubble, which made me... How did that work? It's because you've got to ring it out, my friend. I, I, speaking as somebody that wound up with the Iron Duke in a Firebird that was massively underpowered and four little gears to work with, I do understand the fact that ringing out a car will teach you something. Not necessarily good things that you data. want to get out of it, but I, I take your point. Give me yeah. scientific data. But he says he's been making an effort to get behind the wheel of as many cars as possible, keeping his options open. He's driven some cars that are over budget just for the experience okay. or the, the A to B kind of comparisons for the lower budget cars. Sure, sure. So he's ramped up his search recently. He's driven a 1968 Porsche 912. Mm, okay. Subaru STI, the 2004 Toyota MR2 Spider, just like yeah. the one we drove in our cheap yeah, sports sure. car challenge. He drove another 1967 Beetle. 1990 Miata, 89 Mercedes E190, mm. and a 1999 Porsche Boxster. That's a good list, man. I like that. It's very that's, that's very broad. But so far, his favorite car is the 912, mm, as okay. it connects him with those early Volkswagen roots. And he says he's always found that to be one of the most beautiful forms. You're talking my language. Yes, but at the same time, that same form has been sold since then. Just the same basic shape. <laughs> it just keeps selling it. Anyway. He says the 912 was impressive on their roads, but they're few and far between and over their budget when found, of course, and they're all only going up at this point. You've said before that the 912 is the perfect donor to make an electric 911. I think it'd be a great electric 911 mm-hmm. just for for the swap. And Chance yeah. had the idea about taking 718 engines, if you have oh, a Rex sure. 718, drop that in a 912, keeps with the four-cylinder. That's, yeah, that is suddenly cool. I remember gives that, yeah. A whole bunch of new power. <laughs> Now, now we've got project yeah. cars for poor Michael. That's not where we're going. We're really not going there, I swear. Well, he says the second favorite of his was the Miata. Mm, interesting. Okay, first-gen Miata. All right. He was very impressed. However, he was much too tall to the, to the degree that he fears he would regret buying one. Mm, okay. So height is the only reason that he shies away from that. The boxer was impressive on their rows, he said, but enough car to get him into trouble. Mm, so he's a little bit nervous about maintaining it and finding mechanics to work on it near him in a you know, more complex nature of the car. I definitely get it. He says the Subaru STI was fast, just didn't blend with his personality. He didn't connect with that car, yeah. And the early Volkswagen, too primitive for really fun spry driving. But he says maybe this could be a good option to upgrade. Don't dump money in an old Beetle. Yeah, don't, don't do it. Don't do that Run as a project car. That's not a good idea. 
He's primarily a Toyota consumer, uh, aforementioned Corolla and the V8 uh, 4Runner. Mm-hmm. He says, but the MR2 was more uncomfortable than the Miata and more numb, he That's says. interesting. Okay, all right. So what are ideas? He's open to anything from an old Triumph TR6 to a new Toyota 86. That's a good broad list. And it both is. of those cars at your bookends are both very cool. Yeah. <laughs> they are. He just needs to get behind the wheel of as many cars as possible mm-hmm. to know, know what he wants. But he just wants some direction because he mm-hmm. says you can only tire kick so much. Some of the remaining cars he mentions are a Saab 900, a Corvette C4, the NC version Miata. The third gen, yeah. E30 BMW, Toyota 86, modern and air-cooled Volkswagens, runaway, and a Porsche 944. (laughs) I have to stop on Michael's last sentence because he (laughs) says something in his last sentence that Bo alluded to in his email as well, and I have to just pull a full stop here for a second. Hang on, hang on. I agree. Michael says, "Um, I I, want to jump into something because, oh my gosh, I'm in my 40s. And Bo made a comment in passing in his email about, well, maybe it's because I'm getting old. Full stop here, folks. Agreed. Uh, Forty is not old. Now Agreed. we yes. we also I yes. will acknowledge, of course, we are we are guys in our forties, so I will acknowledge that. But but here was the thing: when I was growing up, forty was really old. <laughs> and when my father, sure. and I love him, but sure. when my father turned forty, all of his commentary became a list of the things he shouldn't do anymore because he was over forty now. Mm. It, it kind mm. of permeated his headspace, and he he and I hate to say this, but it's true. He kind of became old after forty because his yeah. headspace was yeah. I'm past forty, and so I shouldn't now. And I bring this up because Paul and I talk about this a lot. That uh, I, look, there's the cliche age is a number, but but age is a headspace for sure. Yes, I have yes. met people in their twenties that are ancient. And I have met people in Park City in their sixties, and I realize that any sport they chose, they would decimate me. And yes. I'm not a couch potato. Yeah. So it really is. <laughs> it's especially what, fun to be passed by somebody at least 10 years older than you are uphill on a mountain bike. Oh, And yes. it's not an electric assist. They're no. pedaling just, and they're not breathing hard. But going, what? what? I was, How did you? I was out recently. The dog and I, maybe a month Steroids? ago. Steroids? Like, who are you? It was a nice, cool day. I was having a, I was having a really good day on the bike. <laughs> and I'm climbing up switchbacks. And it's a place that I struggle. It's a place that is genuinely hard. And I'm climbing up switchbacks. And at one point I stopped because I needed to and the dog needed water and I was and it's a nice cool morning. I'm like, oh, this is a perfect day. And not even two minutes later, I wasn't even stopped that long, comes this woman absolutely in her mid sixties, completely rail thin, wearing the whole biker spandex. She blew past me. (laughs) And the thing is, the thing is, I had seen her coming earlier and I thought she might pass me later. No, no, not later. Like she's here now. And then I started biking behind her and I swear to you, two switchbacks later, she was out of sight. So it's happened to me a lot too. Yeah. You're in your forties and you know what I say to that? So exactly right. I mean, we're in a ski town and we hear one of two things, Mm -hmm. either you're in your sixties, let's go do the, you know, the double black and let's try it out. See how the snow is today. Or I'm too old to ski. Mm -hmm. You're right. No, you're You're right. Yes. It's up here in your head. Be careful by the way, just a little bit of, of uh, ski town insider news. Be careful of the guy that is the local sitting next to you on the ski lift in his 60s that's retired that says he got 100 days in last year. Yeah. Beware that guy. Do not follow him. Exactly. He will lead you off a cliff with a cackle and land like it's nothing. I have seen yes. it. You will kill yourself yes. following that old man. Okay. They've got duct tape where the, the trees yes. have torn through their jackets. Yes. And it's just, it's like, oh, those skis look about 10 years old and your clothes don't look. You know, they're never, not the latest fashion. They're the old stuff. Never follow the retired guy that gets hundreds of days a year. <laughs> yeah. He will destroy you. <laughs> With pleasure. All right. So now that we're past that, we've got some car choices for you. Michael here. Any car that we suggest, you may have to look into the tall mad modifications. Whether yes. that means Agreed. Agreed. buying yep. different yep. seats, you know, digging into the forum, seeing what works for tall people, or doing a seat modification itself so you can yep. lower the seat. That may have to be something you consider because we don't want you to not buy a car just because of that. You're six Mm -hmm. foot four. Both of us are six foot three. I'm more legs. Todd's more torso. So it really kind of depends on the car. Mm -hmm. But if your knees are a little bit higher, just think of that as a race position. As we've been taught over the years, you want to be slightly closer to the steering wheel than you are comfortable. Just Mm -hmm. one click forward on the seat. Because it puts you kind of up over the steering wheel. It gets you more engaged with the car. The average person seems to almost always sit too far back. Always too far back. And so 
make yourself just slightly uncomfortable because you're going to be doing performance driving in this car. So it's not designed to be cruising around. You told us yourself, you've got mm-hmm. the rest of the cars covered. I Miatas are always a consideration, mm-hmm. of course, but there are lots and lots of BMW Z3s for $10,000 and under mm-hmm. on autotempest.com slash every day. Yeah, yeah. Do the every day so they know we sent you. Yep. But I actually went shopping for Z3s for you, Michael. And Did thought, you really? Okay. I actually kind of want a Z3 because I'm finding perfect, brilliant, gorgeous. I found a black one, the 2.8 engine, mm-hmm. manual. Love it. With 63,000 miles for ten grand. Done. That'd be, that'd be super fun. Why is that not sold already? <laughs> it might be by now. It'd be very fun. All of yeah. the colors yeah, yeah. available, all of the transmissions, all mm-hmm. of the engines, all of the years, a Z3. Mm-hmm. They're so much fun. They're smaller. It's like BMW built a Miata. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So maybe you're going to have to do some seat mods. Mm-hmm. But the Z3 is top of my list for you. Okay. Because okay. they're such a great car. Low miles, high miles. I think they're going to run. Okay, something breaks. The Vano system goes. It's mm-hmm. 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Shocks, tires. You don't have to do that to any car. But they're also known now. Yes. Whatever's going to go wrong with yes. those is known and the parts are out there. That's a good idea. And I think it's a car you could wrench on yourself, definitely, mm-hmm. but it's not so old that if you do need to take it to a BMW dealer for something or an independent service shop, mm-hmm. yeah. that they're going to go, whoa, what is this ancient thing? We sure, can't. sure. No, they'll be, able, okay, sure, we can work on that. So Good. I, that is top of my list. I do like the Porsche 944 idea for you, but if you really want to go nuts, those factory five, eight, one eights are still floating out here in your, in your budget. <laughs> they're, they're really? unknown, but you didn't like the STI Subaru. So maybe you don't like the Subaru engine. That's so, funny. I like that thought. Michael, I have a couple for you here. First off, I'm going to speak down the, the tall man mods for a second. I'm going to go right back to that first gen Miata you drove and liked so much and just said, I wish I fit. Rich, who's one of our patrons, follows our show and joined us on the Utah Meetup, Yes, has a Miata he has been working on forever. He's multiple engines in. When it runs... <laughs> multiple engines. He's multiple engines in. When it, and I'm teasing him right now, but he, know, he knows it's true. He knows. When it yeah. runs, as it did for most of the Meetup, it's very fast. Oh, yeah. And he is very fast in it. But I bring it oh, up yeah. because Rich is bigger than both Paul and I. He's 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Rich is a big guy. I want to say, yeah, six. He has the Elise seat conversion in his Miata. Yeah. yeah. You take the seats from a Lotus Elise and you mount them in the Miata and you gain, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's either three or four inches of headroom. That's dramatic. And Rich is a big guy. And I don't know if you ever really noticed, Paul, but anytime we saw him driving that car, he just looked like he fit. He just looked normal in that car. Yeah, he did. But then I know in the back of my mind, I know how big Rich is. I'm like, how is that possible? It's the Elise seats. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you want an NA Miata, do the Elise seat conversion. I think you'd be very, very happy. I have seen big guys shown like the before and after photos of them able to even track that uh, that uh, Miata because they got their heads so low. Sure. Pretty sure. interesting. So that is the way to do the Miata. Yes, the Boxster is um, a great one. It, I think the maintenance on that is less concerning than you fear it to be. I, I think so. I mean, but, if you have the fear, don't. I'm not yes, going to talk you into. Totally it. get it. If it's there, the, the problem gonna, with the, with the Boxster is that when you it. have to replace something, yes, it will be pricey. I like that you brought up the Z3, Paul, because I'm going to go right here, and that is BMW Z4, Michael. Mm-hmm. I just got rid of one after yeah. a year. It just went off to Oklahoma. They had a great drive going home. It was very cool. But the big thing I noticed the the weekend we bought that car a year ago, Paul, you and I flew down to Phoenix and we drove it back. Yeah. yeah. And the thing I was shocked by is here we were shoulder to shoulder in that car. And I just was aware that I had space, just space. Just the stock seats, the normal way it was built. I had yeah. leg room. I had headroom. Yeah. We had shoulder room. The Z3 is a great choice. The Z3 feels small like the NA Miata does. The Z4, and what's your usage, Michael? If you want this to feel like it has some, oh, you know what, I'm just comfortable in here, then the Z4 is your play. The Z3 is more analog for mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. but the yeah. Z4 is more comfortable. So I think if you're looking for a big man's fun car convertible, don't overlook that Z4 because it's just surprisingly roomy in a car that actually is still pretty light and drives very well. Yeah, for sure. Well, let us know what you find, both of you guys, and write to us with your car debates, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, Topic Tuesdays as well, That you know the ongoing discussion mm-hmm. that doesn't really have an answer at the end, and then, of course, your car conclusions <laughs> too, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. Let's talk about Haggerty My Garage. It's a virtual home for automotive enthusiasts where you can show off your cars and tell their stories. 
Inside the community, you can check out thousands of cool cars and like, comment, follow, and share your favorites. Plus, you can park everything you need in one place. Use My Garage to manage your important details and photos and records and more. There's never been a better way to virtually enjoy your ride. So customize your own garage, explore others' garages, you can even see our garage, and join in on the conversation at haggerty.com slash mygarage. Great questions from you guys, as always. Thank you so much for engaging when we ask for those questions. I love the variety that we always get. A quick reminder, real quick, we have episode 650 coming up. At the 25 marks, we always do a all questions podcast, but the 50 marks, the 650 <laughs> is a all questions but no car discussion podcast. We will also do that as a live stream on YouTube. So keep in mind the crazy questions that you always wanted to ask us. That's where those will go coming up in a couple of weeks. But I'm going to start right here deep into car discussion. I alluded to it earlier. On Instagram, B. Swinsky says, what's the worst example of abusing tradition? Mm. And his example is, he says, he, he's looking at the Mini Cooper that we just posted. He says the, the Cooper S models still have a bonnet scoop, but they haven't needed one since the first-gen supercharger. So what the heck is going on? They no longer have an intercooler mounted up there, so they don't need that scoop, but they keep it in the styling. He says that is just for tradition, and he's asking, what's the worst example of abusing tradition? I have the answer. Okay. It's Porsche and the use of the word turbo. <laughs> yeah. I, I understand yeah, yeah. I understand that you as a company and we as Porsche fans know that turbo means top of the lineup. We've all kind of, that's kind of been our mutual agreement. Yes. But I hate yes. to remind you of this fact, Porsche. The reason that turbo was top of the lineup is because that was the car that had the turbo. And the turbo is a mechanical thing. It's a, it's, it's a it's device. an actual thing it's a that does thing. True stuff. Yeah. And now we still have cars, mini cars that have turbos that don't have a turbo label. We have turbos that have a turbo label, and mm -hmm. we have electric cars with a turbo label. It was, I, I know it would have been hard, but it was, it, you should have found a different naming convention because now we have made that a completely nonsense word. Yeah, unfortunately, you're absolutely spot on. I would say second place belongs to the beaver teeth. Talk mm. about abusing tradition. <laughs> We've always Hello. had, let's go back, we've always had big grills. Really? Yeah. Really? And, and you tried to justify it from those early cars, mm -hmm. the late 20s, early 30, mm -hmm. 30s cars. Look, they've, they were big and tall like that back then. Sure. So were the cars. Sure. They were overgrown wagons. Anyway. Well, Tom Gilder on Instagram says that Nolan Sykes at Donut Media did a video looking at BMW design tradition focused on the beaver teeth, mm. highlighting despite having a history of oddly shaped grills, the reason that the M3 and the M4's grills are so out of place is because they extend past the crash structure of the bumper, something that BMW has never done before. What are my mm, thoughts on that idea? Do I have a different opinion? Well, absolutely. And, and this is, I, I don't know that it's revelatory. It's BMW finally trying that. Mm, sure. Because yeah. for years, Audi started it. With yeah. the TT, this is how they've gotten away with those designs that have an enlarged grill, and that way they can make the front of it without a traditional bumper shape. Yeah, yeah. So that crash structure is there regardless of mm -hmm. the design. For sure. Designers For sure. have gotten better at covering it up and masking it yeah. with a lot of designs. Lexus does this with the Predator grill. Mm -hmm. They've done it for decades totally, now. Totally, yep. So same kind of thing. But I just feel like BMW is trying this now mm -hmm. in an effort to say, me too, and make a very bold statement. Bold it is. Yes. The problem is, I just don't think aesthetically it works. And so BMW, rather than going down that road, could do something entirely different. And the internet is full of ideas about <laughs> other things that could be done that yeah. still retain a BMW look. And they can still cover up that crash structure in mm -hmm. a different way. That's why you have a design team. That's what they're paid to do. But Hopefully. insisting on these giant enlarged teeth didn't really resonate with the public. There's some people Clearly. that do like them. There's some yeah. people that yeah. have told us, I don't mind it. You know, I'm fine with it. Well, that's true on anything that's but, controversial. There's always people for like, sure. what's the problem? I, I like that very much. For sure. But I, I just think, you know what? <laughs> You've abused tradition mm -hmm. in one of the most egregious ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to look like that. There's many other <laughs> options that you could have done. And take us into the future. Don't don't just emphasize the teeth. I, I feel like you've accidentally walked into a shirt that maybe only I would wear. But it's just the, the slightest hints of the BMW headlights and then the huge grill in chrome. And it just says underneath it, 
doesn't need to look like that. And it just says Paul <laughs> Schmucker. Underneath. I just that I, I kind of want that shirt. On Twitter, Justin Brewer says that he's seeing us post this new uh, mini thing. And he said, hang on. I, I've never really heard the whole mini story. Spot the mini that I own. Could, could we wrap it up in 30 seconds? Can't do it in 30, but I'll do it real quick. And that is, look, I bought as my first winter car when I bought the Lotus. The FRS was a year-round car. When I bought the Lotus, I thought, hmm. I probably ought to get something for just winter duty. Mm-hmm. And I still may put some winter tires on the Lotus for the laugh at some point. But to this <laughs> point, four years in, I really haven't made it a winter car. So I went shopping for something fun. And I was looking for $5,000. And I found, not that far from me, a 2003 Mini Cooper S, so the supercharged one. Still can't believe this car. That had been owned since new by the same owner, whose garage when I got there was one of those I could eat off this floor. It was perfect, yeah, okay? Yeah. He'd owned it. It had nearly 200,000 miles on it, but he'd spent the past Christmas rebuilding the supercharger for fun. And the only reason he was selling it for five grand is because, honestly, that's all the market could support for that car, even though his right. car was definitely right. worth more. Saw that car, bought that car, said, thank you very much, drove it all winter, and it was a riot and I still miss, and we talk about this in the mini uh, review that we have coming, I still miss that supercharger feel in those cars. I personally, just as a driver, prefer superchargers to turbochargers. Mm-hmm. I miss yeah. that supercharger feel. Yeah. It was tiny. It was super lightweight. It was very chuckable. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great first kind of, I'll have this for a year. It was before we were doing the cheap car challenges. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of feel like, in a subconscious way, it made me go, we should get a different car every year, just because it was something <laughs> right. else to talk about. Right. So it was the first one that we did like that. And the reason, honestly, that I got rid of, I got rid of it and still liked it the day I got rid of it, but it was just it confirmed for me that I personally would rather not have a, a front-wheel drive car. Sure. I enjoyed it. Sure. It's a yeah. different driving experience. But ultimately, it was our first ever raffle, too. That's right. We raffled That's it off. Right. It was a yeah. successful raffle. It went out off to Evan over in the East Coast, and he had it for a while, and then he eventually sold it. It had a good life after me. And when it left me, I think it had 186000 when I bought it. And I think it had 190-something when I got rid of it. And it kept running, which is pretty cool. We think it's still going. As far as we know, Spot the Mini is still out there. How to rebuild your supercharger while simultaneously watching all the Christmas movies on the Hallmark Channel. I think that's exactly what he did. That's the video we should make. I think he had it in his living room, just just working on it, making it perfect. (laughs) KTL23 says, Paul, we know Porsches and watches go together like peanut butter and jelly or Maserati and depreciation. Mm -hmm. See, I thought it was alcohol consumption and ugly people getting lucky, but that's beside the point. Wow, that happens too. Okay. If I were to get Todd a watch to match his Elise, oh. what would I get for him? What are the three most descriptive adjectives for your Lotus? Lightness, okay. performance, okay. and unique. All right. Right? Sure. Resensewatches.com. Uh-oh. R-E-S-S-E-N-C-E watches.com. The entire ethos about this watch is lightness and performance, and it's also very unique. So the upper half of this okay, watch I'm is looking. filled with oil to allow legibility from any angle, and that dry half, the lower half, is an in-house design and manufactured orbital convex movement with a transmission that spins the watch face around the axis as it tells the time. And the entire bezel, the Type 5, is the watch that I'm talking about. Okay. The entire bezel I'm is laughing. the crown. Okay. So there's no traditional screw-down crown like most watches. It's very unique. It's very beautiful. It's right around $32,000. <gasps> so it's about the same price as your Lotus. So it's at least wow. a conversation piece, this too. This is top, type 5 you're going for? The type I'm 5. I'm actually looking at it right now. Okay. Resensewatches.com. Check there it, it is. Check this out. That is a lot of money for something I don't even own. You could yeah. have that or a Lotus or both. Lightness and performance. I see how you got there. You've that done very well. the watch. That's terrifying. I think that's your style, too. I that's, think it's just that's, that's clean, terrifying. unique. It just tells the time. And it's it's so, such a conversation piece. So that, unique. The conversation is how on earth I explain spending that much money on a watch since I don't So watch watch the video okay. to understand how the movement works. There's video okay. animations in there. And you can see how it rotates around the axis. But that is an in-house movement. And it's a transmission in there. It's, it's such a unique watch. It's so I'm, cool. I'm intrigued by how well you've done there. I and I'm one. promptly walking away. Damn, on Instagram, that's appropriate, said if we could just buy one aftermarket part to improve the appearance of a car the most, what would it be? And I will say this because I feel this on every car I buy, and it's wheels. Yep, absolutely. I'm almost never quite happy with the stock wheels of any car out there. 
and I understand reasons people do wheels, and I get that. And every now and then somebody does a wheel design, and I'm just like, that looks great. And I always feel like that when I see a stock wheel, and I think that would look cool on another car. That's mm-hmm. when I know they did it right, when it looks cool yeah. on that car, and I wish yeah. it was on something else. But nine times out of ten, I feel like the stock wheels are like, oh, those are, those are all right. All of the wheels that they introduced the C8 Corvette with, I hate them all. Every single one of them. I don't like a single yeah, one. The yeah. ones that they have on the Z06, I feel, are, are closer, but they still aren't quite where I'd like them to be. So I'm a guy that wheels, and I will probably replace the wheels on the 300ZX because, again, I like different wheels. Ed Hayes says, is it worth adding Android Auto to a seven-year-old car? It's hmm. a low-mile Civic with a nav screen already. If you know you're going to keep the car, yeah. especially if it's paid off. Yes is the answer. Mm-hmm. That's how you fall in love with your car again. That's how you get more mileage and just more enjoyment out of your car. Upgrade the tech. It's an easy, inexpensive thing to do. We recommend it constantly. Absolutely upgrade the tech in your car. Certainly if the car is staying. If you're getting rid of it, then yep. no. I'm going to get rid of this in a year. Don't do that. Seven years is like the sweet spot. But otherwise, if it's around for it's a while, a little absolutely. tired. I've had yeah. it for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, upgrade that. Along the same lines, Seth writes in on Facebook and says, Is it worth putting money into resto modding a car? where you know you will never get that money back out on the back end, but it would make the car cool. He said the car in question is the 1986 Audi Coupe GT, the non-quattro. Look, that is a cool car, Seth. I think the big question here is, what do you see the future of this car being? Is this a car in your life you know you're not getting rid of? I mean, we know many of you have written in about you have a car that that car is never going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, I also say that never is a strong word and every car can potentially go, but... If this is a car that you know you're going to have forever, then why not? If this is a car where you're like, I have it for now and it's pretty cool, but if, if, if this is your debate, should I restaurant it or should I sell it? You should sell it. If you're thinking, this car's around forever and you know what I could do while I have it? It's paid for, it's your fun, whatever, the nostalgia car. Then yeah, why not make that nostalgia car mo- more modern, mm-hmm, make it resto mod mm-hmm. and super cool, but don't do that money if you are thinking this car ever leaves. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Michael H. says to me that he went out the other day to test drive an M3 and an 911C4S, but also ended up driving a 2014 Maserati Gran Turismo Sport. That was a surprise, wasn't it? Surprise! That's a left turn. (laughs) What's that doing here? Exactly. You have the keys for that one, too? Yeah. (laughs) He says it wasn't initially anywhere on his list, but my experience triggered an interest when he saw it. And GT cars are just a different direction than he was headed. Is he crazy for liking these things? And would he be crazy to own one under some form of warranty? Well, a fan of the show who's listening, Scott Parker, rented one mm-hmm. on our Utah meetup. Yeah, he did. It was very poorly maintained. <laughs> it needed things. <laughs> it was owned by a Maserati owner, which means well, I will ignore that light and I will move on. Yes, a lot of stuff You was were that ignored. person too, yes. But he called it correctly. He fell in love with the car. For how it drove, and of course for the sound, but it was it was this. Why don't people take care of these cars? Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, revelation. He sure, said, yeah. "This car would be good if you would just done the basic stuff. Just keep sure, up with everything." Yeah. And so, really, it it's not that there's a lot wrong with those Gran Turismos. It's still a Maserati. It's still an exotic car. There there's will be still a level of worry yes. that you have to incur there. But as something different. GT cars are a lot of fun. They do different things. Your drives become different. Mm. And it's intriguing to me. <laughs> so, yes, I, I think it could be interesting if you buy the right car and you know, you're willing to maintain it and put the money into doing that. That's, that's why those cars part. are so, such junky cars. Yeah, and that's why they're cheap. Nobody wants to maintain them. They don't put the proper maintenance and money into doing that. It's expensive to do it. But then the ones, you could get high miles out of any car if you properly maintain it. True, true, just true. just the level of desire and willingness to do it. That Maserati could come to life. So if you are interested one and get yourself a warranty, I'm not sure what company would... Be crazy enough to give a warranty, but yeah. you know, maybe they win, maybe they lose, but still, absolutely. If that's something that intrigues you, don't let it hold you back just because of the word Maserati. Look, I'm intrigued by the MC20. I want one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a new chassis yeah, yeah. with a new engine, untested, unproven. And a Maserati badge. And <laughs> really expensive price tag. Nobody knows what they'll be like. Yeah, you're right. They could be brilliant. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably still be in the category of very expensive to maintain, and people won't maintain them, and so mm-hmm. they'll be very cheap and They'll kind of be junky and break down. I hate to say that. Mm. Hopefully, people will treat them like Ferraris are treated. Yeah. Constant maintenance. At least. <laughs> Almost no driving. <laughs> yeah. At least they, maybe they drive them and they don't yeah, just sit in your garage. That as well. But still, I feel like that's an intriguing car. Mm. I, I really want to drive one. I kind of want to own one without even knowing anything about it. Just Fascinating. Because of the uniqueness. I'm 
kind of fallen in love with Maserati in a weird way. It's this love hate thing. Like I That's don't classic. want them to be good, but it was good. But the maintenance is terrible. And I'm so <laughs> conflicted by it. So I'm encouraging you with caution, but knowing that they can be great mm-hmm. is a possibility. Doesn't rule them out instantly. That's very cool. T no on Instagram says, do we think Mitsubishi will ever bring back the Evo? The Mitsubishi Lancer Evolution. Paul and I got into a discussion about this this week. Yeah, yeah. He says he sees so few of the Mitsubishi vehicles of any kind on U.S. roads. He has to think that Subaru is selling more just WRXs and STIs than Mitsubishi is selling for their entire lineup. Ouch, and you're probably right. <laughs> he said, how is there not a business case for the Evo? Let, let me flip this back around. You're right. Mitsubishi is not selling very well in this country. Now, they are also, this is the weird thing about them as a company, they, are, they dabble in cars. The Mitsubishi logo is on a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that would shock you. Oh, my air conditioner is a Mitsubishi. Exactly. I mean, they, they make huge trucks. They make monster shipping equipment. They make, they make hand dryers like Dyson. You wouldn't believe the level of stuff that they make. And so it's cars is like the thing they dabble in. But yet here in this country, I feel like most of the time when we see that brand go overseas, and you'll see it everywhere. But when you see that brand over here, it's pretty much their cars, and you almost never see those. Okay? So it's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. The reality of all of these performance cars is you need to be selling a lot of something to make a performance variant. Indeed. And they aren't selling very many cars. And the, the problem with the, the Lancer, the last Lancer, is it was their lingering performance car. Look at the current GTR at Nissan. Mm-hmm, that car's mm-hmm. 10 years old, and there's nothing on the radar about replacing that car because doing that kind of halo car that has no other reason to exist than to be your halo car is crazy expensive. At yeah. least in the case yeah. of the Evo, it was the Lancer, and it becomes other things. But that is not a car also that brings people to the brand at large. For sure. You're not For buying sure. another Mitsubishi because you can't get in the Evo. You're just going somewhere else. So I don't think at this point it makes any sense. If they have a big comeback under whatever conglomerate they're part of now this week, unless they have a big comeback where they are selling a lot of cars, that's the only reason they'd bring it back. It's a storied name. I loved the cars. I wish they'd come back, but I really doubt it. Gavin Boy says, what is the state of the three German luxury brands right now? Audi, Mercedes, and BMW. Do we think they are still enthusiast brands? opinion having big power doesn't mean being fun to drive we absolutely agree with that this is a time in the automotive universe when car manufacturers hate to say it they're redefining themselves and redefining Uh transportation and redefining everything we're now a transportation company we used to be the ultimate driving machine now we're redefining transportation (laughs) what car did you drive i took a canoe sit in the back and let us drive i asked you what car you drove a canoe (laughs) stupid Stupid. You're such a big fan of them. Oh, my gosh. They're going to be our sponsor next week. They probably will. Yeah. There's a big transition going on with all these manufacturers, but I've never really looked at them as real enthusiasts like Mazda, like Porsche, like some of the Toyota. Okay. I never right. really viewed them that way. BMW, t- for the most part. I mean, the, sure. they are. I mean, I yeah. kind of take that back. BMW, for sure. Mm-hmm. But I've always looked at Audi as you know not the lightweight, fun, chuckable thing. It's more just like the amazing highway bomber and all around everything and high-end luxury and finely crafted and a lot of tech and they're they're continuing down that road mercedes is rethinking many of their amg models mm-hmm. do we need all these extra models like you know how many do we need they're paring things down but they're exploring the future but i still think that big power will be a part of the equation it will just be made differently mm-hmm. and bmw they, they have been an enthusiast and a sports car company but only by virtue of transforming their normal sedans and wagons into something hot. That's a good point, yeah. Rarely do they design and build Z4s, M1s, 1Ms, the sports-specific, the focused sports car. It's been rare and few and far between. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to see that the, the... Early Z car with the drop down doors. The Z one that was in the Z one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Their Z cars are pretty much the only ones they've done that have been like, we're just going to make it for this. But everything else is a transferred transformed sedan. They're low volume sellers, but then they realize, like, oh yeah, we have sort of a luxury badge and a higher standard of luxury for our clientele, so we got to weight it down and make it, you know, not so stripped down and that kind of thing. And I think that's prevented them from making something truly, truly great. They have M3s and M4s are really amazing. They are. But I I look at them as still struggling to redefine what they are Mm. because they have this history of making such great to drive cars. Yeah. And they're looking ahead into the future at electric cars and making all kinds of bold claims. You know, how many models are coming out with how many electric versions of that? (laughs) 
but people's tastes have changed. Sports cars enthusiasts are still around. We're mm-hmm. chanting and waving flags and pitchforks over here, but yes. but we got to buy cars. They're still not charity organizations. They still yes. have to sell cars in volume. Mm-hmm. So what's the balance? You know, kind of coming back to the earlier conversation about the volume of a car before you can make a performance variant. Yeah, absolutely. And to make a specific sports car variant, the business case has to be large. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're going to continue finding themselves down this road, but it's it's a slow slow progression. It's mm-hmm. not an instant overnight kind of thing. Suddenly, we're a different kind of a company. Audi's, I, I think, is certainly closer to that than anybody with their claim, just going all electric and you know what they're doing with the e-tron models. But but volume's king. Volume and luxury volume is king yeah, for both of the right. other two. You're right, guys. Thank you so much for all your questions. We really appreciate all your commentary, all the emails you guys drop us. It's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we're, we're on season 10. And check out the YouTube videos, the Test Drive channel, and the main channel. And you can find those on everydaydriver.com. Second tab over is YouTube. And then you can choose which direction to go from there. So hopefully Test Drive helps you with all your shopping and driving homework. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>